The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hi there, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. We're real-life best friends, but we met playing fake-life best friends, Turk and JD, on the sitcom Scrubs. 20 years later, we've decided to re-watch the series one episode at a time and put our memories into a podcast you can listen to at home. We're going to get all our special guest friends like Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley, Neil Flynn, Judy Reyes. Show creator Bill Lawrence, editors, writers, and even prop masters will tell us about what inspired the series and how we became a family. You can listen to the podcast Fake Doctors, Real Friends with Zach and Donald on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. What's up? Hi, how are you doing today? This fine afternoon or evening or morning or whenever you're listening to it. You know, I would like to know what time you like to listen to the show because uh, I tend to post these like, you know, like whatever, morning-ish on Wednesdays. And, uh, you know, sometimes maybe people are like, yo, why don't you post it on Wednesday night? So, you know, email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. And you'll be speaking to me, Ray Harkins. No one else answers those emails. That is just me. And we are here talking independent music, hanging out with people who have been affected by it in a major way. As I look at my thousands and thousands of records up on my wall here in my office, because uh, I, it's just... You know, music is such an interesting thing where, uh, you know, when you make friends with uh, civilians and people who haven't been like all consumed by, you know, the independent weirdness that we have, it's uh, it, it, it kind of just blows my mind sometimes. Like I, I was uh, I was talking with a friend recently who is, is a friend I made through the church that I attend. And uh, he uh, is a big fan of like Five Finger Death Punch, which, you know, I, I know the band and I'm not, I'm not, you know, throwing, throwing stones at them. They are a hardworking band. They have uh, risen to levels of success, success that I can, uh, you know, I, I never have achieved myself. But more on that in a minute. You came to listen to my guest, right? And my guest this week is Leander Gloversmith. He is 
a great friend of mine manages bands. I met him when he was managing Architects uh, when I was working at Century Media Records. And him and I formed a very, very fast connection just because uh, him and I had a lot of music, same similar musical sensibilities. And uh, we've only grown closer over time. And he's just a, a great human being. Now he manages bands like Neck Deep, as it is under the uh, KMGMT Kingman, or I can't remember exactly what the K- Kaminsky management. Yeah, that's what it is. So uh, yeah, but he is very successful at that. And it's awesome to see that. So he was over in the States and uh, we were going to hang out. And I was like, you know what? Let's podcast. Let's, let's do this. I wanted to have him on for quite some time because managers are an interesting breed. Each one has their kind of individual approach to how they deal with bands. You know, sometimes they um, remain kind of, you know, a business professional and like not really creating, they create a relationship, but like a working relationship as opposed to Leander, who, you know, is very, very involved with the band's decisions from branding and everything else all the way down to, um, yeah, just like, you know, being a, a personal advice giver <laughs> to the band members of the bands that he manages. So it's really interesting. And we get into that plus a bunch of other stuff. And you need band merch, right? Uh, We all need band merch. I wear band shirts basically every single day of my life. And Rockabilia will be the outfitter of your choice. They have half a million items over there. They got short sleeves, long sleeves, sweaters, scarves. Well, they may have scarves. I actually haven't looked to see if they have scarves, but they most likely do. They got posters. They got everything you possibly need. And I want to give you 15% off by using the code PCJabberJaw. If you've been hearing this and you haven't ordered yet, what is holding you up? They have great customer service, super fast shipping, and it's co-owned by a hardcore punk kid. It's just, I cannot feel more uh, connectivity to this company. They are great at what they do, and they will have you outfitted in great band merch immediately, okay? Like, you've probably seen their stuff other places, but trust me, Rockabilly is the real, real deal. So order them. Order from them. PC Jabberjaw will give you 15% off. So, like I was saying, dealing with with, uh, normal people in regards to music. So, a friend of mine likes Five Finger Death Punch, and, um, you know, I was like, how do you listen to, you know, music? Do you, like, listen to the radio or what? what?" And so he was like, uh, or or no, I asked him, actually. I said, do you, you know, use a streaming service? And he was like, no, I just, uh, you know, kind of pop on YouTube or just listen to the radio. And any time I get that that interaction with somebody, I'm always reminded at the stark contrast that people like us have with music and then people that like music that is kind of, you know, sort of given to them. Not in a bad way. They just interact with music in a much different way than we do, the obsessive nature that we have. And so anyway, he, I was, I, I threw him, I actually sent him yesterday, a, uh, the Menzingers record that came out last year um, after the party. And it like, I was like, okay, let's, let's test the waters. Cause I don't want to give him something like, you know, too aggressive. That'll be like, whoa, Ray, like I'm, I'm not really ready for this. So um, he was like, what did he say? He said that it was, it, it sounded like it would be a soundtrack. Granted, I just sent him one song, so he didn't listen to the whole record. Um, and I sent him the after the party song, which is an incredible song. But he said, I'm reminded of like a, this could be in a soundtrack for a millennial movie. And I was like, Oh, interesting. I obviously view the Menzingers in a very different light than you do devoid of context. He's just listening to the music. And so then I started to dig. I was like, are you looking for something like aggressive? What, what have you been listening to a lot recently? And then he was like, Alter Bridge, Shine Down, Five Finger Death Punch. And I was like, 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Like the way that people consume music is, um, you know, from the, the, the civilian standpoint is, uh, you know, they try to find bands uh, that are, you know, of the same genre that are, you know, very slightly removed in the same way that we do. I'll be clear. Like, you know, if you put a metalcore band in front of me, I'll listen to that nine times out of 10 and be stoked on it. So, but yeah, it's just interesting. So I, I don't know. I would love to hear your personal experience. Uh, about, you know, dealing, and when I say dealing, I make it sound like it's like some burden, but uh, when you're interacting with people who uh, have a different relationship with music and, you know, if you're trying to like, you know, kind of guide them along in a way, uh, I, how do you do that? You know? And so I'm actually trying to wrap my head around, like, do I, do I send my friend like quicksand? Will he, will he be into quicksand? Or like, I don't, I don't know. Like you, because last thing you want to do is send a person off, you know, in the wrong direction where you're like, oh, I, I recommend this band. They're like, oh man, that band sucks. Like what is, what is Ray trying to give me? Like all the bands that he's probably into are terrible. (laughs) So anyways, there's, there's a little, uh, snapshot of some of my obsessive thoughts when it comes to music. (laughs) And I'm sure some of you have, uh, that similar relationship as well. But anyways, like I said, Leander, great friend, great chat. We uh, did it up in his hotel room in Los Angeles and, uh, yeah, this is uh, what transpired. So I will talk to you after the episode is of course over to tell you who is up next week. Okay. Bye. I think it was, uh, I mean, obviously it was when I was at Century Media, you were working with right. architects. Yep. Um, and I, I remember obviously going over to the UK to hang out with you guys. But I remember like even before we had like officially met in person, I felt like we really like we just hit it off right mm-hmm. away. Like it was like, oh, like, you know what's up and mm-hmm. like, I know what's up. And mm-hmm. it just felt it felt very seamless. Yeah, for sure. Like, but you, you remember like before we actually met, we were already like pretty, pretty, pretty bro. Yeah, 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 we were. I think the first time we actually met was in Germany. That's right. Yeah. It, Architects was on tour with Bring Me the Horizon. You're right. And um, you you and I want to say Jens. That's right. Okay, that's right. Yeah, because um, we were over there for some conference or whatever. Yeah. Maybe that, Steve Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Came over and we you came to the Architects show. I can't remember what German town it was. Yeah, I can't remember either. But we met there. That's right. But we'd already like, I don't know, but yeah, we just hit it off. Yeah. And it was at that show that I realized... That you were in Taken. Right. That's right. And I was previously already a Taken fanboy. <laughs> that's, it, it worked out perfectly. Yeah. But I, I, it was, and I'm sure you've encountered this so many times throughout working in the industry where it's just like, there are certain people where it's just like, you immediately step into like, they're an old pair of shoes where you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, I feel like I've known you, but we just mm-hmm. met. Mm-hmm. How does, how does that happen? I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like maybe there's a, a sort of commonality uh, when people come up through certain sectors of culture, mm-hmm. and uh, I tend to find like there's a little like a little checklist, like oh, if a, if a guy, uh, if someone likes sort of quicksand and handsome right. and glassjaw, and also like you know, uh, you know some of the the heavier stuff, and yeah, then there's probably going to be like a cultural. Uh, similarity right I think and I think you kind of naturally find an affinity with each other yeah 
You um, definitely do. Yeah. Especially when you find, yeah, it, like you have those bands and then like if you go one level deeper, then you're just be like, oh, you know that band too? And then you go like right. three levels deeper and then you're just like, oh my gosh, we're meant to be. Yeah. For me, it's always like if someone has heard of Handsome, I'm like, oh, sick. <laughs> We'll probably be friends. It, 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 Someone it, who goes, yeah, ha- the handsome record doesn't go handsome, right? Handsome, yeah, yeah right. You know. <laughs> and I, I remember accidentally seeing handsome. They played with it was like Strife, Voodoo Glow Skulls, or no, not Voodoo Glow Skulls. It was this huge show. Like the handsome had no business playing, but like that, you know, it was, night, it was Descendants. Descendants, mm-hmm. Strife, Handsome, and then someone else. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I mean, they were incredible. I only sort of heard quicksand like i was like i like quicksand but i was just like oh handsome and then I was, oh yeah i was yeah. into handsome before i was into quicksand it was oh, actually yeah it was oh perfect. reversal yeah. yeah so i was writing a zine and handsome did that record through sony yeah and i was on the i was on like a sony mailing list um getting stuff for like corn I, I, i'd done like an interview with corn for a zine and sure. in the 90s this was midnight mid 90s like 95 i guess uh-huh. and as part of the the mail out uh, from, from the label, I got sent this handsome record, and right. I had no idea who they were. And it was like, cool, put it on, loved it, and it was actually sort of reverse, going backwards. You're like, how did where did these guys? Yeah, come from? so going backwards through handsome was how I found helmet and and quicksand. Right, that's amazing. Yeah, and uh, but <laughs> I had it handsome only toured in the UK once ever, uh-huh. and I didn't go. Sure, <laughs> I had a ticket. But I got a chest infection. I didn't go. Oh. And I was like, oh, I'll catch him next time. Right, yeah. There's, <laughs> I'll catch him next Nope, that's not happening. Not happening, yeah. I have no idea. It's one I- of my regrets. Yeah. I have no idea what the singer of that band is doing. Absolutely no idea. No idea. There's certain people. He was in, what was the band he was in? Ice, Ice, no, it was Ice, Ice Age, I want to say, something like that. Yeah, I can't, I. It, it, it was some weird. It's weird band. how certain people just like completely fall off like your radar. We were just like. Oh yeah, I'm sure they did something else, but like you just did not hear about oh, it. Oh, do you know what? When Helmet first reformed, when no, when Helmet was touring Size Matters, okay, he was playing bass for them. Really? Yeah, I'm I pretty didn't... sure. Okay, I saw them with this with the singer of Handsome playing bass. <laughs> Dude, that's talk, <laughs> talk about a super group. Like yeah. you're just like, but you were you're an amazing singer. <laughs> yeah. You play bass. He was an amazing singer. It's yeah. so weird that yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah something didn't that happen with him. But it, I think you you really hit on the appropriate descriptor of how people like that do have those like those those check marks, where especially, mm-hmm. and I think too, where it's like if you've contributed a lot to music in the way of either you know playing in bands or doing zines or whatever like there's that immediate like oh like you don't care about money so like we already yeah when you're like a creative and you're sort of woven into the fabric of it and you're sort of partaking right i think there's a a kinship that comes through people that that collaborate in music in some capacity whether it's you know you're a you're you tour with bands or right or you're doing a zine or you're you're doing artwork or whatever right um and I think that's cool. And like, I was never particularly connected to, I mean, the UK doesn't really have a, a hardcore scene mm-hmm. history in the sense like America does. Absolutely. Like, there's nothing like the DC scene or the New York scene. No, no, no. Orange County scenes that, that we don't have that. I right. I mean, we have a, an okay hardcore scene now. Yes. But it's, a, it's nothing like how the, the, the history is nothing like what, what you guys had. Totally. So I was never sort of affiliated to a, a community like that. Right, but um, sort of the, I found that through certain 
kinship with certain artists and then yeah like you say interactivity yeah the community right um i wouldn't call myself like a you know people come from the hardcore community right i'm sure you kind of kind of came up through that through taken absolutely yeah but like um for, for me and the kind of people that i was connecting with it was always the people that were going that step further not just buying the iron maiden cd right and going oh that's cool right yeah i'll listen to this <laughs> Totally. It was always the people that were going that little bit further in. Yeah, the di- digging deeper. Yeah. But I mean, too, this is something I was going to bring up later where it is interesting. Like, you know, the, the UK has always been such a, a uh, interesting music scene because mm. it's like, you know, I mean, th- it seems like a, a, a fever takes over the country mm-hmm. in regards to a certain style of music where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, there are certain bands that. Uh, you know, like completely break over there. Machine and, Head. Right. And, like, and then no one, or, I mean, Machine Head's a bad, I mean, a bad example for the thing I was going to say, but like that, like they never break in the States, yeah. but they're like massive in the UK. Right. And then like, and then there's certain genres of music that just completely, like, you know, new metal, like completely overtook the UK. Oh my God. I mean, not like it didn't do it in the States, but oh, like. it was crazy in the UK. Right. It was a, uh, it was actually, the new metal was the first time I stopped feeling like, I liked a counterculture. Sure. Um, up until that happened, I was, you know, I was that one of, if I look at like my high school photo, mm-hmm. I'm like there's me and there's the two other metal dudes. Right, right. You know? <laughs> it totally. Like it was not a thing. Right. Um, we were the only guys with long hair that liked Pantera, Metallica, whatever. It was just not, it was a weirdo culture still. Sure. To like Nirvana. It, sure. I came up through in the sort of wake of the Nevermind, the Black Album. When that stuff was like mainstreaming, but the cultures that were kind of the subcultures underneath it, right? So the Seattle grunge scene and whatever those were still those were the countercultural scenes, sure. Um, and then uh, new metal happened. When I first discovered Corn, it was through an MTV Headbangers Ball thing, and they seemed like a cool weirdo yeah, art band, absolutely. And I was like, this band is dope, right? And then within two years, it was this really weird jock bro mainstream event right every like all these guys at uh, my college were wearing like corn hoodies and and white zombie hoodies limp biscuit shirts and stuff and it was like what's happening right yeah you're, you're like i feel like this was mine for a minute yeah. but like now it's not even remotely yeah, close to being really weird and then and then corn obviously went weird and right right and yeah by 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 the time lincoln park came out i was out Sure. I checked out. Right. And uh, and discovered more. I discovered Glassjaw, which kind of opened. Yeah, a whole They new... were my entry band into, like, hardcore, I guess. Sure, actually. sure. Them and Sick of It All. Right. They kind of opened the door. It was Scratch the Surface and, uh, and actually VOD. Of course. Uh, Scratch the Surface and the VOD record and then Glassjaw. And they kind of were my entry-level bands into discovering this other world. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, there's weird art over under this rock too. it feels much more serious. And Mm -hmm. suddenly I was looking back at at the new metal bands, the early new metal bands that I'd liked, like Korn and like even early Limp Bizkit, Mm -hmm. early Incubus and stuff. And it all just seemed like really goofy to me. Right. All of a sudden I was like, this is like cartoon music. (laughs) It's like kid stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like kid's music. And I was at 19... And I never, tr- I don't think I ever became like a elitist snob or anything, but I was, I started getting very like, let's put new metal in the club. Of course. Well, you get, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a kid, you definitely, I mean, cause it's still at 19, you're a kid, like you swing so violently towards these things where you're just like, 
oh no, like I, go I, away, right? Like I'm I'm not that into that anymore. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then you know, whatever. Well, I was really into it. I had the I had the hair, the little the like the Brian Head Welch. Oh, beautiful the grid, sure. top knot hair. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I had that. Yeah, that's amazing. I was going to college with that hair. Sure, you were you, you were. I was like, I look cool. Right, I didn't look cool. You're like I'm edgy. Yeah, I, I looked awful. <laughs> Well, re- reflecting on you and as a as a, as a person, yeah. so you were you were obviously you were you were born and raised in England, yeah. Yeah, born and raised in Brighton. So my uh, uh, my mom my mother is German. Okay, um, very German. Uh, has never really fully acclimatized <laughs> to been, being been English. there for many years. And just... oh yeah, has lived in England since seventy three or so. Okay, and uh, no chance of her being English at all. <laughs> okay. Like she's just still fully in her German ways, sure. And uh, and uh, I, yeah, grew up sort of in between uh, Germany and and England. Okay, but kind of identified myself as English, I sure. guess, when I was about thirteen or so. I okay, think that's kind of where I was like, yeah, I feel like the, this is where I'm. I'm I feel like this is this, this is, home. is where I live. Right, you know? right. Before that, I, I had a, much more of a floaty. Uh, sure. Kind of sense of of home. I think it was right. Like, oh, sometimes we're in England. Sometimes we're in Germany. Got it. And it was like in in those early teen years, and it, it kind of came with the discovery of music and mm-hmm. a music based friendship group. Though I was like, yeah, but yeah, born and raised ultimately. Sure, it's, it's the long and short of it. And you were uh, you were an only child, or you have only child? That's what I thought. Um, my I have a my dad um, raised. He adopted a. a, a and a boy called Troy okay um in the 60s okay and he raised him with his previous wife got it um so technically kind of half-ish brother even half-ish though half-ish brother but I didn't meet him until I was like 11 okay got um, it so um but he was like a, a proper punk he was like oh okay. he was into like discharge nurse with wound oh sure like really yeah. out there <laughs> totally you know minus threats like a pop band to him like he was like, oh, yeah, that DC Hardcore stuff, whatever. Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Too, too poppy for me. I don't know yeah. why he's singing. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. To ha- especially to have that, like, I mean, you, you, no matter what, as a kid, you're always looking up to older people and, yeah. like, their opinions are weighty. Yeah. And then when that gets expressed, it's kind of like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, and he played me, like, Napalm Death, uh, <laughs> You Suffer, that kind of stuff, like, yeah. for the first time. Like, when I was first getting into metal and I... You know, I like Metallica and Pantera, and he was right. like, "Have you heard this?" Yeah, you're and like, "I'm not ready for that." I'm not. I, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, it was a. It was a few years before I got into like the, the much more extreme. Stuff. Sure. Yeah, you're like, I, I gotta, I gotta ease up into yeah. that. I'm still listening to this stuff that you know, like, essentially has verses and choruses. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, only child uh, raised an only child. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I mean, most people, especially in America, have this very sort of, you know, pastoral view like of England in general, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, yeah, like there's London and there's a large city. And like, you know, of course, yeah, there's like Manchester and Brighton. And there's, but, but like, you know, you essentially live out in a farm with like a bunch of green hills and like <laughs> that. I mean, that that's kind of like I, I'm just sort of exaggerating oh, yeah. the American no, I thought. Actually, that is how I live. Yeah. OK, there you so, go. <laughs> uh, the house that the, the house I grew up in, yep. which is now the house. I live in again. You live in again, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the house I grew up in is literally, uh, it's in a little village and there's the seafront. There's like the seaside, uh-huh. which is very quaint. Sure. Uh, little British seaside town. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they just have fish and chips and some pubs. 
Yeah. Uh, and then I live on this road that le- that is a dead end. It okay. ends in farm fields. Mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by farmland, and we're like the the road that leads to the farmland. Okay. So, so you're like the last stop and last stop in town, so to speak. Yeah. So there's yeah. like grazing cattle opposite my house. Sure. Um, and hay bales and farms. It's, and it's the whole experience. Beekeepers and whatever. <laughs> it's it is quite pastoral. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a, a long way from sort of city living. Right. I, and because I grew up there, like London always seemed really too intense. Sure. The hustle and bustle. Yeah. 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 That's I mean, it, I do. I mean, I think anybody that that doesn't experience that and then like doesn't, you know, if you only have one experience or the other, you're not really like, you know, seeing mm-hmm. both sides of I mean, I know that sounds obvious, but just like. Oh yeah, like there, this is a nice way to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to live in a city, you can do that mm-hmm. too. But like, if you have one or the other, it's like you know you're you're missing out. On yeah, a whole. I had Brighton on my doorstep, and and Brighton always seemed like the more interesting town, sure, than London to me. Right. Um, it wasn't as intense, and you could kind of get around it easier. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, and uh, and there is a kind of uh, there's a bit of a Brightonian sort of persona. Sure, and that's yeah. The architects guys all kind of have that, and absolutely, yeah. yeah and and there so was there was definitely a sort of a Brighton cultural, Brighton alternative person. Sure, uh, that was different to the the sort of harder edged, sure, like London persona. Totally, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially when you have like you know, the dueling communities of mm-hmm. like these, especially as arts are coming out, where it's just like, yeah, that's the big city stuff. Like we yeah. got the, we get the real cool stuff here. Yeah. I, I feel like, uh, Brighton gets compared favorably to places like San Francisco and oh, sure. Portland. And, and it's right. that kind of counterculture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was a vegan capital before right. veganism was like <laughs> a thing, a yeah. thing, you know, uh, it's, it's an artsy town. Right. Right. Um, and it's kind of woven into its history. It was, it was, a, 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 probably the queen that we still have now, sure. but like <laughs> it was her favorite when she was younger or maybe her mother. Okay. Maybe it was her, actually the queen mother. Um, it was her favorite holiday resort. Oh, okay. And so her like traveling, entertainers mm-hmm. all went there to okay. like please her sure uh, and so brighton has this kind of history right of artisan sure sure so all like it's baked into the country yeah it's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, generations of painters jesters actors writers entertainers because they were all there as the queen's court sure and then it's just kind of woven it just perpetuated into the from the there town, yeah. that's incredible yeah um and so then, uh, you know, as you started to, uh, you know, grow older and mm-hmm. because you're an only child, you don't have the luxury of the, you know, older, older brother or sister mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. you're kind of getting into, you know, independent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I presume kind of via your classmates or just kind of, like you said, like, I mean, yeah, 120 it, minutes, like yeah, that was, yeah, it was a guy called or MTV uh, headbangers. Ball yeah. It was, it was headbangers ball and yeah, 120 minutes. And, um, my introduction fully to it was, uh, so Nirvana, Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was a, a number one I think or a top ten hit at least absolutely in the UK and um, and I used to watch Top of the Pops I, I had a div- I was really into music already as a kid okay my my mother is a hip was a, it was a hippie sure and um, German and, hippie you don't hear those yeah. you don't hear those words usually well, she was like a, one of the 68 like student revolution people got it yeah. okay cool yeah so um 
and my dad was a jazz aficionado. So we, I grew up in a real musical, musical household. That's cool. So I was, uh, and I, I kind of was listening to the albums like the Joshua Tree and, and, and Born to Run and the Tracy Chapman record, like when I was a kid and I got super into Michael Jackson when I was a kid and Madonna. Sure. And, uh, the so pump, was, the pump was primed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I was already like watching top of the pops and having some kind of musical interest. And I remember Nirvana being on it and it just seemed really strange because it's, it's actually on one of their DVDs, mm-hmm. uh, is footage of them doing top of the pops. Oh, so on top okay. of the pops, it was miming. It was pre-recorded. Oh, sure. And they had to then mime right. to the song, but live. Sure. So in front of an audience, these bands had to mime. Most bands went along with it. Mm-hmm. Nirvana like, didn't go along with it at all. <laughs> if you dig out that footage, you just see Dave Grohl waving his drumsticks over his head <laughs> through the entire performance. And Kurt Cobain has the, the mic entirely in his mouth. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We're sitting here. It's like June. And you're like, where has the time gone? And everybody's like, oh my gosh, I have no idea. I got to like accomplish all these other things. Take a moment. Focus on the things that obviously, for one, matter to you, but for two, look back, be like, what have I done well? What have I done not so well? And maybe I can, you know, ask some friends and family for some help. But where I have always gone to in regards to figuring out what I can do better, therapy. Therapy is an incredible tool at your arsenal that you can dip into. I've done it for my marriage. I've done it for myself personally. And I'm a huge advocate for what therapy can do for you because it is a third party that's able to look at what you can do to improve your life and be a person to help you along in your journey. And so I think if you were thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and entirely suited to your schedule. All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then boom, you're done. It's great. And then if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch it at no additional cost. So take a moment, reflect on the things you've done, reflect on the things you want to do, and visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at highfivecasino.com! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino! This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
and is playing like this sure. with his flat hand like <laughs> that's amazing and i was like who what is yeah this? what is happening and that song kind of got me right and then this kid from my class was like if you like this you'll probably like this and played me iron maiden sure um uh, fear of the dark and i got into that <laughs> real quick and then very quickly was like I need more. There's got to be more, more <laughs> yeah. of this. Yeah, yeah. I just started digging really, really quickly. And sure. within, within a month of kind of finding <laughs> Nirvana and Iron Maiden, I'd found Metallica, Megadeth, Sepultura, sure. Pantera. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown... There's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And, and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and it then, was it was all, those bands all on prime albums. So sure, like yeah. The world was black open. album, vulgar, right? Um, uh, Arise, Chaos AD. Um, so no. it was just like the best time to be getting into that. Stuff. Totally, yeah, yeah. You're hitting all these bands at like their, yeah. their upswing or their apex, right? And then the disco- the new bands coming through were Biohazard on Urban Discipline, right. Doggy Dog or Borrow Kings. Sure. And uh, it, and like Machine Head, but mm-hmm. My Eyes. Uh, and it just seemed like a Slayer were doing a divine intervention. It just seemed like a really exciting time. Right. Me. Treasure Trove. Yeah. It was like, oh my God. Yeah. This and, is the- <laughs> yeah and, it, it would, and I was just in. Right. And it's that like, was it. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. Like- I was just completely, I, I was ir- like irreversibly in. Right. I just, I kind of changed the way I dressed and sure. you know, just completely adopted it. And yeah. that was it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, um, that was age 13. That was age 13. Yeah. And it did, as you were doing that, how did your, I mean, you know, clearly you said that your, your parents were musical and uh, you know, your mom being a hippie, like, how did they react to all of a sudden you bringing home all this, you know, weirdo art stuff mm-hmm. like that they most likely had very little musical understanding mm-hmm. of. And then you started to, you know, yeah, they did. They, my, my mom was, uh, you know, she got rock. Right. She was into U2 and Springsteen and stuff like this, Rolling Stones. But like, obviously the stuff I was getting into was way out there. Yeah. Um, but I remember one family holiday that she still talks about now where <laughs> I, didn't want to listen to like her music in the car mm-hmm. so i made this tape 
Oh. Uh, it, it was it was said metal for mum on it. How kind of you. Written in the Metallica logo. <laughs> of course. And it was like all the soft songs, like the Unforgiven. Sure. Nothing else matters. Stuff that my mom will be into. Right. right. F- Fate of Black, like all the stuff with like <laughs> the nice sort of classical guitar in it. Right. Cemetery Gates, whatever. Sure. Uh, and she sort of tolerated that and was like, oh, yeah, sort of appreciated musical aspects of it. Right, right. But then, like, very quickly, I started getting into stuff like Fear Factory and, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff of it. It's like, not really like. I can't. Yeah. yeah. There's no. This is a bridge too far. Yeah. And it was. It just. And then I, I, uh, I sort of opened a, a death metal box and sure and and got into death in a big way the band death and, yes uh, and obituary and, right and yeah stuff it's like not that. like you're gonna show and i just like went down a dark <laughs> tunnel with it <laughs> i love i i do think that there is uh, like i because i had that same experience with uh, at least my mother where i was like even you know more so with like the indie rock emo stuff where mm. it's like i was making her tapes like oh like you know here here's like what mineral sounds like mm. and it was like that's insane to try to make your parents understand your music from that perspective. It's It's like, Oh, here's Elliot false cathedral. She'll probably be into this. And it's like, no, it doesn't like, it kind of sounds like the bands that they know, but like devoid of context, they're just like, I don't know what the hell this is. Yeah. And it's like, even though, yeah, I mean, to my ears, I feel like Elliot should have been, Oh, Coldplay, so, right? That's exactly correct. I don't understand why. (laughs) Totally. Aren't Coldplay. Right. This is, but then, obviously they aren't <laughs> yeah exactly no totally it's like you but then you try you're you as you know using your kid logic you're like all right what is what is the stuff that's going to help my parents understand what i'm into <laughs> and then yeah. i will try to achieve that in some capacity yeah no they didn't get it and uh <laughs> and the cultural separation was very 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 quick after that like, right i was the the moody metal team sure and sure then, and were did you uh you know you've always struck me for as long as i've known you like you know you're you're personable um you're not the stereotypical i mean i, I say stereotypical because i'm a little child as well but like you know people will label us weird and uh, mm-hmm. i mean we are weird but mm-hmm. like we can't communicate with people can't look them in the eye like mm-hmm. but you you never struck me as that sort of person no i i'm terrible at small talk okay still now sure um so i'm bad at talking to taxi drivers and hairdressers <laughs> i can't do the gen i'm not very good at the general conversation thing got it um the transactional relationship right. conversation right. yeah yeah but like anyone who i feel like i share some kind of uh cultural fabric with mm-hmm. like even if it's um film tv mm-hmm. i've always had a really avid interest in those as well they kind of developed alongside my musical taste as they do for a lot of people you know sure. get into a certain t- kind of show and certain kind of film and stuff and they're mm-hmm. always fine they're kind of connected and um <clears throat> i've always found that at the minute i can even find a semblance of like oh you watch the sopranos okay cool right you know it doesn't matter if you're if you're into uh Tiesto and mumble rap. Like yes. we can find this one thing to like connect on. And <laughs> totally, break, totally. You know? Yeah, that's so, that's yeah. going to be our bridge. But yeah, I've right. never been like the the sort of you know uh, the sort of cliched like super wallflower, yeah, right? Yeah, awkward in the corner, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> not not communicating with anybody. Yeah, yeah. And did you? Uh, I was in bands really early and stuff. I was going to say. So like, yeah. the, you did you as you started to like really dive into the culture? Did you immediately want to like play in bands or almost was, immediately? Yeah. Okay. Uh, with, within. I was in my first band at 14, so I'd gotten into, like, metal in a big way when I was 13, and a year later I was, like, for, starting to form my Playing band. guitar, I, I presume? Guitar. Yeah. Okay, got guitar, it. Guitar, bit of vocal, um, and, yeah, it was but guitar at first. Okay. Um, and then was playing in awful bands, just 
legacy of absolute rubbish actually for, sure for a long as time. one does yeah um, just shit band after shit band right um but yeah i was in in pretty quick sure yeah. did you um did you actually ever release any like did you put out records and later stuff like that? life yeah later so, uh, yeah so the band i was in uh i was in like a bunch of really awful high school bands sure and then uh then I, at, at like sixth form college, mm-hmm. uh, I got, I, I formed a, uh, like a, a, ostensibly a new metal band really. Okay. Um, but we were sort of taking influence from like far beyond driven, but also corn. Sure. And so it was like that kind of early new metal. So it wasn't like the goofy stuff, but sure. uh, yeah, a, a new metal band basically. And, um, and then that band morphed into a more into the kind of sound de jour of the early 2000s UK. So okay. bands like Funeral for a Friend, Funeral for a Friend, of course. 100 Reasons, Hell sure. for Heroes, the band that nobody, whose who's name nobody really wants to say anymore. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. That scene, uh, I, I, our, band, our new metal band kind of evolved into one of those. Got it. And so that band was called Honeymoon Girls, and that was like my serious band. Got it. And like put out records right. and Right, we put out records, we had a deal, we toured. Sure. Um, we played CBGBs actually for CMJ. Really? Yeah, it's like wow. the one cool thing we did. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah, you always have those things where it's just yeah. like, oh, wow, I guess we did that thing. Like, yeah. yeah. We also played the London Astoria, which is like my favorite venue that uh-huh. ever existed in London. It's demolished now. Yes. I miss it dearly, but we played there. Sadly, it was supporting Alter Bridge. <laughs> Uh, so not so cool, <laughs> right? But, but was, still, you got to play there. To play on the stage, so I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. So that and CBGBs are like our two crowning things. But we released like two EPs, and okay, an, an album that was awful, and another album that was better, but it was too late because we'd put out an awful record. Sure, and people had and just on. kind of dwelled in obscurity. Got it. But we came up with um, with Funeral for a Friend mm-hmm. and uh, a bank with Johnny Shrewen. Yep. Um, and that was kind of our your scene, our scene. That's cool. Um, yeah, and the, the, those were the bands that were kind of gigging together, right? And then a lot of those people from those bands are now people who are colleagues of mine, right? Exactly. So like Ollie, the singer of Johnny Truant, is the, yep. a label boss for for Unified over here, mm-hmm. and uh, Ryan, who played drums in Funeral for a Friend, is a manager of a bunch of cool bands, and right? So we're all kind of we've come up together, and now we're kind of in in the behind the scenes together right well i mean a lot a lot of those people too where it's like you know they were i mean obviously ollie was kind of the business person of johnny truant and i was the business person of my band right exactly so were you were did you kind of immediately take to that business aspect of the band yeah i uh yeah i i was you know whether it's being bossy or whatever sure um, (laughs) i just kind of i think of it as proactive Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, so, someone's got to do yeah. it. Someone's got to do it. And I just kind of naturally took that role. Okay. And was like, we should do this. We should do this. We should record these songs. We sure. should have this rehearsal, you know. Um, and I was always kind of pushing it forward. Let's shoot a music video. Let's, you know, let's get these f- four songs and go to a studio and record them. And, right. and let's play some shows. And I was the one like, networking <laughs> via MSN Messenger. Oh, nice, yes. Uh, back in those days. Back in those days, uh, yeah. Even before MySpace. We sure. Didn't, we didn't even have a MySpace page. 
My band had a MySpace page like right at the end of right. our time. That was it was just coming out. It was just coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, you had to use like whether it was. So we were using like MSN. So we had yeah. a we had a, a website with a bulletin board, like a one of those. Oh sure, B2B like two B. Yeah, GeoCities yeah. or Angel Fire that all we had that. here in the states. Yeah, yeah exactly. We had all that, and um, and then we had an MSN. <laughs> yeah, and we all put all like our email addresses in our MSN addresses inside like our our demos and our sure. singles and then we would all like add each other on msn right and you'd be and able to correspond like, with and, yeah, yeah, and we, yeah. Would, we would correspond with other bands and then we started to gig trade and that's how that was kind of right yeah. so i was talking to people like ollie who was in charge of truant sure I, me and ollie actually went to sick form together so we we, we know uh, each other like really what did well. you what did you study in school um, so in school, there's mandatory subjects. So right. in, in the English school system, you have to do um, you have to do a language, you have to do okay. uh, science, you have to do maths, you have to do English. I think they, I mean, basically, kind of your prerequisites. That's yeah. what they call them in the states. You ha- yeah. yeah, you have to do those, and then you get like you can specialize um, in five chosen areas. Oh, okay. so I did design art. <laughs> I did design technology, design <laughs> communication, <laughs> art. Um, it's like everything that could be like right yeah. next to each other. Yeah. Like English, so closely related. Yeah, English literature. And okay. like I, it was all like those kind of. Yeah. Sure. The creative arts. Yeah. And then the creative arts. Yeah. yeah. And then I went and, and then I did A levels at sixth form and I did. Uh, I, I I've did. never heard that term. Sick form. Yeah. So it's. When do you guys graduate high school? 18? Yeah. Yeah. And so we graduate go- high school at 16. Oh, and then we go on to what we call college, which is two more years of higher education. So okay, it's called sixth form. Okay, and is so it, and that's before university. It's before university, oh. so what you call college, we call university. So you essentially go to like if you're breaking it down to simplest of terms, you kind of go to like six years of college, where like I mean, you college, yeah. university, or whatever. Yeah. Whereas like we technically go to four right. after. So oh. we do we do five years of secondary education okay then we do two years of uh sixth form education and then three years of university wow so it's okay. gcse's is the grade you do at a le- uh, 16 okay then you do a levels until you're 18 okay and then you do a degree your <clears throat> bachelor's your bachelor's wow yeah. okay i did not know yeah. that wow yeah that, right cause... so ollie and i were at college together okay so when we were like 18 sure yeah okay got it all right i actually got ollie into metal spectacular yeah. what was he into before uh indie in sure yeah. okay that makes Brit, sense he was a big brit rock kid of so course he, he was big on oasis he went to nebworth and all that kind of stuff. i was gonna say because it, it seems like there's two really distinct paths as a uk independent music kid. absolutely it's it's metal or it's indie <laughs> right like the, the, you either get a one into one or two things and that's kind of it yeah that's kind of it we're like there's i mean in america obviously there was especially geographically america had all these yeah pockets like, totally but for us, it's it was literally like it was though it was genre based more right. than um, region based. Right, right, right. Um, and so you're just kind of assimilating the music, the domestic scene, and the international scenes and whatever, and you're just kind of like, oh, right. I like this. You either get yeah your Jinkos or your Fred Perry shirt. Right, right, right. Exactly, and, and, yeah. and never the never the two shall meet. Yeah, I had my DMs, and everyone had their Adidas campus or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of yeah. course, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and, and that was kind of the scene. And like Ollie was big into like Blur, Oasis, Supergrass, Suede. Sure, right, and, right. And I hated all that stuff. Yeah, 
Um, and I then later in life got like yeah, a nostalgic appreciation for Oasis. Now I actually really like that Oasis stuff. Of course. Because it reminds me of... Of that time college. and place. It reminds me of the time and place. <laughs> and it now sounds way edgier to me yeah. than it did at that point in time. Yeah, it was soft back then. Yeah, right? back then because <laughs> I was into Sepultura and Deicide or whatever, I was like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, you're like, this is, this is terrible. He's but yeah, so he was really into that, but he was also into skateboarding. Okay. And I was like, oh, you'd like the Deftones because... yeah. Chino looks like a skateboard. Absolutely. Right? And so I kind of got him in, I brought him into Deftones right. uh, through the kind of aesthetic of it. Got it. And then but he got hooked on that and then liked the Deftones and then Deftones toured with Wilhaven and we went to that and yeah, started Wilhaven and he just yeah, 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 yeah. And then Ollie later in life, uh, a few years later, returned the favor. He spent a summer out in Boston okay. as bands like Botch, Dillinger, oh. Converge were breaking through. Yep. Pre internet. Sure. So I hear, we did not know who any of these bands were. Here's your lifeline. So he yeah. came back from this summer in Boston and was like, I present to you, Botch, Cave-In, Converge. <laughs> yeah, the starter, the starter pack. Right. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy fucking shit. I've like never heard anything like that. Yeah. Like, but I had my head blown off all over again. Like, sure. Hearing, band, or hearing that scene of bands, that kind of art. Totally. Art, arty hard. Yeah, band. yeah. The, the Boston stuff. Absolutely. And then you have the mass metalcore, you know, all that stuff. Totally, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. You're like, wow, I can't believe this is... <laughs> it's like this whole other world. That's amazing. So yeah, he, can re- he returns yeah, the Yeah, every, everybody yeah. does return the favor at yeah. some point, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. The, um, and so, I mean, because you were interested in the, the, the sort of, you know, machinations of, you know, putting together a band, booking shows and all that sort of stuff, was that always kind of like... Your vision? You were like, I got to work in music no matter what? Or was that just I wanted, kinda... to, I wanted to be a journalist. Okay. That was my thing. So I was doing... I, I, uh, I know you said you were doing zines. Yeah, so. I was doing zines and um, English was my forte. My dad was an English professor. And uh, and so I've always been... Uh, had a, a better mastery of the written word than mm-hmm. spoken. I've, sure. I've, uh, to the point where often when I would like write essays or articles or whatever, I would... Uh, have a vocabulary that I, I wasn't sure where it was even coming from. Right. And I would have to like check myself. Like, do, is that the right word? Yeah. Like, why do I know these words? <laughs> totally. I don't know. I just kind of picked it up. I was, a, I, I read a lot as a kid and, yep. and, and I just kind of had this, the, the written word was how I best expressed myself. Sure. Um, uh, because I picked up all sorts of slang and stuff at school, college, whatever. So, I'd picked up a kind of Southern English tongue. Okay. And you drop letters and... Sure. You say letters. Letters, yeah, yeah. Letters or whatever. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, and and so writing was my thing and uh, I was writing zines and I had this kind of... uh, My career arc in my mind was that I was going to write for a magazine. Sure. And I had this romantic idea of a sort of bustling... Music journalist. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of... Almost famous. Sure. Right? That right. was what was in my head. Get I had on seen, the road right yeah, now. Yeah. I hadn't seen almost famous yet, but <laughs> that was uh, the vision. That was the vision. Like I thought I was gonna be that kid. Sure. Like, oh yeah. You're gonna be like this it's gonna be like this exciting music journalist thing and you're gonna call him and be like, Yeah man, I'm on tour with whatever band. Like sure. I'm writing this article, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was kind of what I thought my life was gonna be and then sure. I was gonna sort of write for Rolling Stone or whatever right you know? yeah yeah, yeah. you have these targets and right. it seemed this like grandiose thing i would write for Kerrang or whatever exactly and then you know you get there and you start writing for these magazines as a freelancer and you realize that they pay you in 
right. sort of a lot of the time you you earn monkey nuts and whatever and it's not actually a sustainable <laughs> career a lot of the time unless you can really get up there in the editorial positions sure um and so i had to kind of um not that I would do, was just doing it for the money, but the realities of life set in. Of know. course, yeah, you got to adjust it. Or it's just yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I can't actually afford to live an adult life away from my parental home, yep. whilst just being a freelance journalist as much as I love it. Right. So I need to find an additional job. Sure. And so uh, this was like 2005 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I did an, an internship scheme. At Warner's, okay. uh, Warner's in London, used to do this thing called the Warner Graduate Scheme, okay. um, where people who were interested in working in music mm-hmm. would apply, and there were like rounds. Oh, okay. And then eventually there was like a sort of, you know, pot of gold at the end of like right. you might get a job at Warner. <laughs> right, totally. And so I kind of went through this system and um, ended up doing essentially an extended internship, right, in the publicity department at, um, at Warner. And uh, that's when I was like, okay, so in in publicity, you can kind of do creative writing, Mm -hmm. which is what I'm good at. Right. But there's a a sort of more competitive pay scale where you can actually maybe turn it into a career. Exactly. So I thought, I'll start, I'll I'll do that. I'll be a publicist, and on the side, I'll still be a freelance writer, which is kind of Yeah, you'll be able to do both. I'll be able to do both. Like, there's no conflict there, right? Right, right. As long as you're not publicizing the bands you're writing about, right, it's fine. You'll be fine. So that was my my choice to do that, and um, and through being at this internship, I got access to a few sort of job internal industry job postings sure. that you wouldn't normally see if you weren't there. Right. So I wrote from an at Atlantic Records or at Warner Music or something email address, right. and applied for this job that was uh, for a rock specialist publicist at, okay. a, at a London publicity company. And because he saw that my right email your email address, address right oh I gotta listen to this guy oh yeah oh this guy like he wants to leave his major label PR job and come to my company great yeah and somehow I blagged my way through it got an interview and he gave me the job I had literally no idea what I was doing at all sure zero. day one went in and he was like right there's your computer like here's your client list go and right I was like sure sure. Let's then, figure this out. And then I, I waited until he went to, to lunch. Yeah. And then the other guy in the office, I was just like, dude, what is this job? Like, what do you do? <laughs> right. And uh, and he was like, oh, just find bands, try and get them pressed, right? And I was like, okay, so I say, okay, I sort of get that. Right. I've, as a journalist, have received press releases and I get it. <laughs> right. right. So I can just kind of figure it out. Okay, so it's just the flip side of it. So instead of, receiving the press release i'm sending the press release. you're sending it sure right. and so that's where i started with it and then they were like that i got assigned mxpx okay so we had a, an account with side one dummy and i got assigned an mxps i think it was an mxpx live album okay tour that they were doing mm-hmm. in the mid 2000s and so i worked that and then they were like you should really start bringing in clients because it was on my business card it said senior publicist <laughs> Yeah, you're like, there's there's nothing senior about me. I've literally been in my band, written for Terrorizer, (laughs) Roxanne, Metal Hammer, and then was like a senior publicist. Right. No clue. Uh, But they were like, oh, you know, you can bring in some bands from like your local area or whatever. So I was like, okay. So um, I went to see Johnny Truant. Mm -hmm. 
and their support band was Architects. Sure. Uh, who were called Counting the Days at the time. And uh, I was completely, like, floored mm-hmm. by them. Um, and then they changed their name to Architects and were suddenly, like, even better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just said... I, I met one of the guys. I met the, Tim, their former guitarist. Yeah. Um, and these were all the kids that had come to my band's shows. Sure. They so were the they younger were the, generation, yeah, right? they were the next generation who we... Me and Ollie knew them from... Johnny Truant, Heidi McGirl's shows, whatever, they were the kids in the crowd who were a bit more precocious than the other kids. Sure. They would come up to us and be like, hey, how's it going? What's up, man? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they were like the the, the kids that we knew. And and I just said, I bumped into Tim about two weeks after I'd started at this company. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, you're... Uh, the following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High-Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High-Five. High-Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High-Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Text, right? You're putting out a release? And he was like, yeah, we're just gearing up for our first release. And I was like, I'll do your publicity for free. Sure. And uh, and the label that was putting it out, a little UK label called In at the Deep End, mm-hmm. they had like a go-to publicist. But because I said I would do it for free... Oh, yeah, who's going to say no to that? They, they were like, sure. <laughs> so I got given the campaign for Nightmares. Mm-hmm. This is pre-Sam, so it's the old vocalist. Sure. Matt. And I did the, PR, the press 
the press campaign for the Architects Nightmares. Uh, and then, because they were from Brighton, right. hu- hung out a bunch. Sure. And our, we just kind of bonded and meshed. Right, and started building it up from there. Building up the relationship, and then Matt left after a year, Sam joined. And then... At that point, I was doing so much stuff. They were just calling me. They were 17. Sure. 17, 18. Mm-hmm. They were calling me and being like, so well, the press campaign was going really well. We were getting like full page features in Kerrang, like specialist press stuff, like features on Dan, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. features on Tom in Guitar Magazine. Like, it yeah, was, people were desiring to cover them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was like the, his... Here's a bunch of 17-year-olds who sound sure. like the Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah, yeah, we're all like, in. We're yeah, all the in. story writes itself. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> they were wondering what to do with it. Like, can we get free guitars with this stuff? So I was like, <laughs> I'll try. So I called ESP and right. made these kind of connections. And didn't, you were, you were, Yeah, you were managing the band without even knowing it. I didn't even think that that's what I was doing. I wasn't totally. even trying to do it. I didn't even know what a manager does, really. Sure. I had no... I, at this point in time, I still thought... I'm just doing PR until I can finally get a job as a an right. editor. Totally. That was still my long-term goal. Sure, sure. To still be a journalist. In a world where everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts and launched a friendship that would inspire millions. Hi, I'm Zach Braff. And I'm Donald Faison. In 2001, we starred in Scrubs, a sitcom that revealed a glimpse of what it was like to survive a medical internship. As Turk and JD, we explored guy love. Nearly 20 years later, a lot has changed. We're not supermen, but we're still best friends. Eh. Given the mandatory lockdown, there's no better time to relive the series that brought us together in the first place. And we're doing it with a podcast. That's right, people. We're going to bring friends and crew members and fellow cast members and writers. And and guess what? We're going to even invite some of you to call into the podcast and ask all the questions you want of the entire Sacred Heart staff. Join us for Fake Doctors, Real Friends on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And then before I knew it, I was, you know, somehow had ended up architects kind of officially appointed me as manager <laughs> right in 2007 they were like well i guess you're a manager i was like i guess yeah yeah you know, sure it was all just okay whatever yeah like really casual of uh, course non-formal handshake deal yeah yeah and then obviously century media got involved and then suddenly i was like i guess i'm really doing this right i guess um, I'm, I'm in this yeah and then uh, metal hammer who i was writing for flagged that it was a conflict of interest for me to be working like a profile band mm-hmm. um, who were touring with bands like Misery Signals and Every Time I Die and right. bands that t- like Metal Hammer would cover. Would cover, sure. And that, you know, I couldn't really do... The journalistic a, integrity yeah. was in question. Right. Yeah. And I had to basically pick a lane. Right. And, um, and I was like, well, this architects thing seems like it's going well and they're my friends and... Yeah. Let's do that. Let's stick with them. Right. So I stuck with architects and, and that's where my career started. That, yeah. That's where the management yeah, stuff. That's where it started. In the, uh, you know, I mean, you, you obviously worked with them in a variety of different bands yeah. as you were, you were coming up. The thing I wanted to, you know, hit on was the fact that it's like you, at, 
you know, management is such a tough game, yeah. <clears throat> especially when you're working it with, you know, friends and people you trust. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously at one point, you know, architects, you know, you, you yeah, guys stopped working. Yeah. T- exactly. Yeah. You stopped working together. Um, the, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, you have to kind of like pick yourself up and kind of hustle your way out of these setbacks, mm-hmm. Um, in ways that, you know, you can't, you don't really do it publicly, you know, you kind of just are like, all right, well, I'm going to move on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm sure it was a huge struggle for you. Oh yeah. I mean, losing architects, uh, was, that was, uh, it was like the worst thing that had happened to me at that point in time, but also like the best, it's one of those things where in hindsight, I look back on it Mm -hmm. at the time I felt very raw about it. Of course. I felt like I'd been screwed. Totally. I felt like my friends had screwed me. Yep. And uh, I, I was bitter about it. Uh, I was upset, obviously, and mm-hmm. just sad to not be involved as well. Like of I course. liked working with them. They, you were so deeply involved. Yeah, with it. yeah. I was with them for four and a half years. Yeah. And we and because we lived in the same town as well, you know, <laughs> right. hung out. Yeah. It, it was like a. It was really like I would put that one is up there with like a romantic breakup. Of course. Like it's that it was that kind of like I lost I felt like I I lost a part of my uh, sort of identity s- in identity, a way. Identity, yeah. 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 And my social structure. It, right. It was like oh well, architect's going to be there, oh, you know, can't hang out with my friends anymore. We had like sure. you know, And that wasn't the case. I wasn't cast out of any friendship group, but that's how it no, how, that's it how it felt f- to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh and so I uh I had to really step back at that point and go like do I want to do this? Right. Right. The, cri- the crisis of like the, that fork in the road moment. Yeah. Like, am I going to carry on doing this for other bands? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I decided yes, but it was a, it was soul searching. And right. uh, now I look back on it and I 100% understand why they moved on. I totally get it. Sure. I understand. I actually understand that it must have been really a hard decision to make. Sure. That it was must have been a bummer for them to have to do it to arrive to that conclusion yeah yeah, yeah exactly and uh, and i get that i couldn't have actually taken them at that point in my career without losing architects i couldn't become a better manager and so losing architects was actually the best thing that happened for me sure because it made me reassess it's like what are the things that i did wrong what were my shortcomings mm-hmm. and before that i was just like on this ride with them you know the band was going up and up and up and up and we were just figuring it out they were figuring it out i was figuring it out we were just like what's going on i don't know it's yeah. cool <laughs> yeah it's, you know, it's happening yeah. whatever you know um <clears throat> and then it, that made me for the first time really critically assess like do i want to do this job right do i actually enjoy it and if i uh, i'm going to work with other bands <clears throat> um what things do i do differently right right and so it was that separation from architects that made me start to see it as a, um, see the, the professional boundaries of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And, but it's always like, you're always learning it. Like and each client is different, you know, for a while I tried to be like, okay, I'm never getting that deep in the fabric of the friendship again. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that again. Sure. To finish your thought of, of the, the, you were, you were trying to have the, you know, the professional boundaries. Yeah. I, I tried to like really install these hard professional boundaries and I was like, I'm going to protect myself emotionally and almost treat it like a nine to five. Yeah. Um, and, and not get so exposed that I can, I can have my feelings hurt. Or whatever, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and that, you know what, it just didn't work. 
and um, I'm an all-in kind of person, I guess. Right. And I just had You're to... You're like, I'm going to weave myself into no matter what. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I just had to figure out what the best balance is of like personable enough and involved enough so that it's fun for everybody and that the best aspects of what I think my strengths are as a manager are all related to creative thinking Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have to really get involved with the band to get to that level of creative thinking creative trust where I can actually like suggest things for a mix or songwriting or artwork or Mm -hmm. conceptual or album titles or whatever like yeah those kinds of like things that are close to the artist that traditionally like you wouldn't think a manager is maybe getting involved in that stuff i do get really involved in that stuff right you're deep into it right i'm deep into it and just had to find a balance of not crossing the line where you lose the authority i guess yeah yeah um but you're still personable Sure. And so that t- it's taken me a few years to figure out that balance. Right. But I think ultimately it comes down to not just don't be on tour. Sure. That tends to be, I, th- I think my most effective thing if I don't tour with the band. Right. Uh, and I just go to like a few shows. Yeah. 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 That keeps the balance good for healthy both, for healthy and for both parties. Right. We should, we're, we're always in positive environments together. Right. right. <laughs> we're not like, you know, I toured with architects, you know, and we saw each other on, good days bad days right everything in between everything in between and and i think i just kind of i think where where a lot of that went wrong aside from like you know my own network limitations because i was a first-time manager Mm -hmm. um i didn't have the literally didn't have the ability at that point to take them to the next level sure yeah yeah Um, i just didn't have it right yeah Um, my resources are tapped yeah Yeah, yeah i was tapped out sure and they were absolutely right to to move on from me I yeah think. yeah you know, like I, I don't blame them right? oh 100% not <laughs> like uh you know and that's not even like being retrospectively ph- philosophical like I was okay with it after a year or so right like yeah. I, I came, you were able to came, yeah I yeah. really came to terms with it yeah yeah, um, yeah. That's and true. now I'm I'm like I'm still remain like their biggest fan I think they're one of the best bands oh absolutely around like not just in the UK I really think they're they're one of the best metal bands around and and to just have been a part of their fabric i feel very privileged of course yeah there's a sense of pride about that. right they have Mm -hmm. a real sense of pride about it and and uh and they made me as much as anything else sure my mum likes to be like oh you really set them on their way and i'm like yeah i don't know yeah they set me on my way though totally yeah for sure you both helped each other out i definitely wouldn't be doing the job in the way that I do it and, and have the strengths that I feel I have if I hadn't have worked with them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's specifically them. Totally. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Um, the last two things I want to hit on were, so, you know, now because you've been working with, um, you know, neck deep Mm -hmm. for, you know, a couple of years, it's been three, four years now, longer, longer, Six, six. six. Okay. For some reason it seems like shorter time to me, but the, <laughs> so, but you know, because you, I mean, you, you were working with them at their, you know, not the, show. right at their, their, their infancy yep. and then watching something grow quickly like this, you know, how, uh, I mean, you know, similar, I'm uh, not, not exact same trajectory as obviously architects, but like, you know, similar you were, you were on a, you were on a rise with them similar. as well. How, but you know, now that you're coming at it with a, you know, uh, more perspective mm-hmm. on, how to handle a band like that and your you know your contacts are larger and et cetera et cetera. Mm-hmm. But how do you make sure that that like 
the band and yourself kind of doesn't get burnt out because that's a real well i mean burnout for 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 them is it it does happen okay um they tour a lot they do um they tour hard uh all the time uh i think they've been on the road for six years you know pretty much yeah um little bits of time off here and there but ostensibly they have been touring non-stop and i don't think people fully realize how much they have been touring <laughs> yeah and uh and i mean it's you know a lot of their contemporaries are in the same boat mm-hmm. what it is to be in a band in 2018 is to do it like this right you know the the economy of our business is not what it was yep and uh therefore you have to be grinding and grinding and grinding. Even a successful band right. is touring like a DIY hardcore band. It's uh, true. Yeah, there's know, no stopping, right? Maybe you're, you know, obviously there's certain luxuries that come along like nightliners or whatever, but um, you, you, hotels instead of floors, but the schedule, you know. Remains the same. Remains the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not getting just about now, I think, Nick Deep is maybe hopefully i think reaching a point where they can sit back a little bit and enjoy their lives sure a little bit because i yeah. think they have they've been working on their band and building their um their fan base and building their reputation and whatever um more than they've been doing anything else mm-hmm. for the last six years right and so you do have to be sensitive to it and to you know it becomes quite easy to for the you know the team that we have now when Nick Deep started it was me and them right and now it's like 20 people mm-hmm. or whatever that work for the band right and I'm still the closest me and their tour manager are like the closest connection sure um, we're still the same two people from the early days right uh, and that's like the core and then there's these layers of teams and whatever and mm-hmm. it's very easy for people to just kind of start seeing it as like an entity Mm-hmm. neck deep will do this 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 sure and it's it's a matter of priority for me personally to always remember that they are human beings yeah and, um, <laughs> and that's yeah, tough and, that's tough a lot of people yeah. don't yeah like you said they, and, they view it as an entity it's this yeah and i'm often the person fighting the corner of the human beings right. being like hey we should consider this yeah let's consider the realistic aspect of of what we're asking here mm-hmm you know? Let's try and remember that these are people mm-hmm. that they've been doing this for this block of time, right? And it's uh, unrealistic mm-hmm. that they're going to be able to then do this and then this. And I try and keep all that stuff in mind. It's, it is hard, you know, in 2018 with the industry being what it is, to um, to balance co- good commerce mm-hmm. with. Being they reasonable. need to actually, yeah, to be yeah. reasonable. And for, they need to be able to enjoy their lives. Right. They're not in a band to just... Be on a treadmill. Right? Be on a treadmill forever. Yeah. They need to, like, enjoy the fruits of their labor. They're a successful, a successful band to mm-hmm. a certain point. Absolutely. And they should be able to, like, go home and appreciate that and mm-hmm. be with their families and friends and go, oh... Oh, this is life. This is life. It's yeah. nice. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than just like, here I am in a venue again. Here's, here's the fifth time in Chicago in two right. years. Yeah. Right. And people have a funny, <laughs> a skewed perception. I, I think now more than any other time, there's a, a, a seriously skewed perception of, of how glamorous it is to be in a band. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe an equivalent of Neck Deep 20 years ago at this point in their career is probably Blink on Enema of the State. 
and it probably is a much more luxurious, glamorous, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood, yeah, rock and roll lifestyle. Mm-hmm. That now is not glamorous. Right. It's touring all of the time, still mm-hmm. all of the time. Totally, you've got a top five album twice in a, a row. <clears throat> they've had top tens mm-hmm. in two countries: America and the US, uh, America and the UK. Right, top ten album in 2015, top five album in 2017 right and they're still having to like this year alone they did four months back to back right you know that's what you have to do yeah and uh, (laughs) but no i mean but i I do to your point i really like the idea of just the the notion that it's like you you can grind a band to a nub you can and i've everyone's i've seen it happen a lot right especially especially from from our community you mm-hmm. know it's a uk band blowing up is still rare right it's not you know and you, it's like it happen- strike while the iron's hot we got to get this yeah. get it in and get out it still ha- it happens more now than ever you right. know bring me the horizon all credit to them like kick the doors wide open for our for our scene and yep um no end of good things have come to to us as a result of of bring me the horizon's kind of trailblazing absolutely you know we get taken as a country producing young bands get taken more seriously now absolutely um because of them yep Uh, and maybe gallows sure you know i think uh on a maybe a lesser degree but yeah yeah but still certainly those two bands i think pioneered some stuff for us and um yeah i've but you've i've seen many bands just try and jump on it mm-hmm. and just grind out, burn out. Totally. You know? Yeah. And, uh, you get a, you get a good year or two in and then it's just, yeah, then it's like people are yeah, pushed Yeah, bosh, what happened to them? Yeah. You know? Totally. Um, some bands, uh, you know, you're like, Do, are they still a band? Right. You know? Yeah, they're like, oh yeah, we've been on tour for seven months. You're like, yeah. oh, I just, well, okay, sorry. Right. We'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But yeah, it's a, you, you, you do have to remember that, um, the human aspect yeah, of it. I think the human aspect and, and, and I always do try and I try to not ever dehumanize the artist. Yeah, yeah. No, it's re- that they're people. It's extremely important. Um, and the, the, the last thing this, I mean, I guess you could call this a more philosophical thing, but the, um, so, you know, I mean, you, you are like me in your late thirties mm-hmm. and you know, the idea that you are staying in touch with a youth culture. Yeah. Is one of those things hey, where kids. <laughs> and it's like that, you know, that notion of knowing what like a 16 year old kid is like into is, you know, it, like that's difficult to grasp, it obviously, is. as you get older. But then, um, you know, so like, I guess, how do you kind of wrap your head around that as you continue to, you know, pick up new bands and work in management and do all this stuff? Like, how does that kind of grapple so I use my bands actually as uh, sort of translators sure. for me a lot of the time. Like I mean, I, I love pop culture, of I'm course, a, right? The, a, that that will that I'm like you caring about fan that. of pop culture. I am. Right. I love it. Right. You know, I love um, TV shows and movies and uh, comic books and bands and stuff. And I avidly, as a, a fan, keep abreast. Of, yeah, keep stuff of yeah. yeah, yeah, right. You know, I I get super into Westworld and right. Handmaid's Tale and whatever. Like that's my current obsessions, mm-hmm. and um, I love discovering new bands. I love new music, and 
as much as I love old, you know, the old classics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm still so just being kind of in touch with and 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 sort of obsessed with pop culture. Right, keeps you fluid in some stuff, but it's really the internet discourse that becomes very alien very quickly. <laughs> yeah. You start feeling like you're literally a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> yes. Um, you open up Twitter one day and you're like, what hmm. did I miss? Yeah, well, what's that? There's a whole language today <laughs> that w- didn't exist yesterday. Right. And, you know, and my bands tend to be um, in that world still. Mm-hmm. And so when I notice a trend... I have a few go-to members <laughs> right? Like, where I'm like, can you translate this? What does this mean? Yeah. Like <laughs> Patty from As It Is sure. comes from an, an internet background. So he's pretty good with that stuff. Right. And so, um, and he, he, I'll be like, Hey Patty, what does spill the tea mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. But you- like often, even for them, um, they'll have to ask their fans at like, signing sessions and stuff at like hangouts with fans they'll be like what does that mean totally (laughs) and it's so it is it is it's a it's a whole it's it's it's, crazy it's so crazy it's so fast moving um you know i'll just get to grips with like what a meme is right and then it'll be like memes yeah god granddad i'm like (laughs) great granddad to you yeah It is. And what, what, what continually amazes me too, is that like, you can find, you know, when I say corners of the internet, mm-hmm. it, it, Oh yeah. You can go down rabbit holes. But, and, but then you're just like, Oh wow. Like this, this artist has 175 million views in a video. And like, I've never heard of it, oh. nor is like, has that broken to mainstream culture at all? And you're just like, Oh, I guess that. Oh, that yeah, yeah. The first time I heard of 21 pilots, they were apparently the biggest band <laughs> in the entire world. <laughs> totally. I was like, Oh, Oh, oh wow. Uh, yeah, I a- just heard of them, and right. they're literally like <laughs> yeah. an arena headliner. When did that happen? Yeah, uh, yeah, but, and and there's that whole sort of SoundCloud yeah. rapper scene and stuff. Uh, and I mean YouTube, the the YouTuber phenomenon. That yeah. was the whole thing. Totally, like it was literally that was one of my first. You know that the YouTuber thing was one of my first realizations that I was an aged out. I was starting to age out Absolutely. of certain youth culture movements, like. <laughs> that things were happening that I was no longer like on the crest of. Right. Actively participating in. Right. Up until then I felt like I was, you know, yes. So sure. Some stuff that happens, you're like, Oh, what's that? Oh, okay. That's that. Right. But I was relatively in tune with stuff, but, um, it was when I took on as it is. Yeah. Um, so that was like a year after Nick deep Mm -hmm. and they were the, the second band I brought into, uh, K management where where I've mm-hmm. been for the last four odd years, whatever. Right. Um, they were the second band I brought in, and when I had my meeting with them, um, it was with their guitarist Ben, and he said, "We just need to like check that you want to work with us because you like the band and not because Patty's a YouTuber." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What's a, a YouTuber?" YouTuber right. <laughs> yeah. And that was like this sort of moment of like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. I, like, I genuinely do not know what that is. Right. And that I learned through them about this whole culture and all sure. that sort of stuff. And I still don't understand what it is. And, the, and but I mean, but, that's but a, I, I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. Right. Right. But that, but that won you their affection. Right. Because they're like, oh yeah, this guy yeah. actually likes us. Right. Right. Exactly. And then since <laughs> then, I feel like since that kind of opening the floodgates of like, what's a YouTuber, right? there's been so many instances of that, like what's a SoundCloud rapper? What's this? What's this? Totally. 
it's happening. Culture is like accelerated. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm always lamenting like an, an old granddad about the loss of the monoculture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? I, I miss the water cooler. <laughs> totally. The, you know, you miss the communal experience of like, right, the oh, that, that right. TV thing happened last night and everyone's talking about Remember it. Remember when everyone watched 24 and lost and yeah, we yeah. all just kind of accepted that those shows were not really that great, but, but they were the best things on TV. So absolutely. we'll just get into them and talk about them all the time. <laughs> right. And now you have a show, you know, you have these series, you have so many series and so many movies, like all of the time, so many albums. Yeah. I, don't know so, can someone keep a database of it that'd be great you right, right. yeah <laughs> like, which, can, can we can we agree on this thing that we that, that i mean that's why it's like you know why people obviously flock to sports now because right. it's like that is really the it's only still a monoculture exactly it's the, it's the only one you cannot avoid yeah. that you're going to care yeah. about this thing yeah and and, and that's that, that it's still yeah it's absolutely still within sports but uh with it uh, everything else like I'll be like, oh my god, Westworld's the best thing ever, and then I mm -hmm. can't find anyone that watches it. Right, right. You know? yeah. Um, You're like, oh, I've heard of it. I know it's on HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and and people, yeah, I, I often find a lot of really frustrating conversations actually, where I'm like, do you watch this? And they go, no. Do you watch this? And they go, no. Do you watch this? And you're yeah, like five minutes later. Five oh. minutes later. Well, I guess we don't watch any of the same things or like any of the same bands. <laughs> right. You know, and I miss that kind of thing of like. Oh my oh, god! Did you, you see into... last night's whatever? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's definitely something that makes me feel old. The death of the monoculture. I've yeah, kind of had yeah. to really accept that that is gone, right? And yeah. that culture moves at like a, a, the speed of light now, right? You know. And it, and uh, I mean, on the flip side of that, though, is that there really is no like late to the party. Right. There's no, no there's no such people. Thing. People can dive into you know like get obsessed with bands from. 20 to 30 years ago mm -hmm. and like obviously have no way of actually connecting with connecting with that band live or whatever or connecting with that tv show mm -hmm. people can you know just become so well versed at that and be like yeah i'm gonna do a, a podcast where i summarize every episode of the golden girls right okay yeah sure I, I, and uh, and and now like uh, you know yours and i's t-shirt collections yeah are like worth a lot of money yeah <laughs> And totally. I threw all mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're in like, like well, a thrift store years ago. I was absolutely. Like, oh well, these don't fit me anymore. Yeah. Or like a pile of gr blue grape shirts, like as high as this room. Yeah. Through them all, like and yeah, we don't need like, those anymore. Oh, they're worth like oh. two hundred dollars plus a piece. Oh yeah, yeah. And I look at these. I look at these like crazy Instagram accounts, yeah. And I'm like, I had all of these shirts. <laughs> Like, yeah, you're like, oh wow! I get like I, I didn't think anybody was going to care about this, it, it, like absolutely irrelevant band. And you know what I love is that the cool guy now looks like me at 15. <laughs> it warms the cockles of my heart, man. Yeah, yeah, you're the, like the J, yeah. the J, and Silent Bob, the J. Exactly, look, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's how I looked at 15. Yeah, you're like, dude, I was just ahead, of, way ahead of the curve. Yeah. I was like well, at least 20 years ahead of the curve, yeah, at least, <laughs> if not more. Who knows? In 40 years, I could look even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this has been awesome. Thank yeah, you so man. much for hanging out. There we go with Leander. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And it was a uh, fun chat because I, uh, there, and you, you'll recognize this, you know, as you get older, where you meet people in different stages of their life, different ages. It's uh, sometimes it, it feels a little insurmountable to be like, oh, wow. So, you know, here I am, I'm like 38 years old. And if I meet a person 
who's also like, you know, I haven't known them at all until I meet them this year. And they're like 27 years old. I'm like, man, I got to like download 20 some odd years of information about them and, you know, kind of, and it's just through their, uh, lens as opposed to people you've, you know, played in bands with since you were 15 years old and whatever. So it's, it's an interesting relationship. And anyways, I bring that up because, you know, Leander I've known for a while, but it was nice to be able to get into some of his, uh, origin story stuff. So that's that. And, uh, next week is a big one, big one for me. Aaron Harris, the drummer of ISIS, which I now I have to put in parentheses, ISIS, the band, not the terrorist organization, which is absolutely sad that I have to do that. But, um, you know, that's the world we live in now. But, uh, yeah, Aaron, uh, I got connected to him via like his old publicist there. She was like, you need to speak to Aaron because I know that you really like the band and Aaron is a great guy. And it was Man, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it because ISIS is frankly one of my favorite bands, uh, probably top 10 of all time. And I've seen them so many times, I can't even begin to mention how many times because it's, well, actually I do in the interview. But anyways, that's what's happening next week. And uh, until then, be safe, everybody, and enjoy your, uh, hopefully, your Labor Day off. Okay? Bye. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh. I'm Bob Roth, host of the new podcast, Stay Calm. Meditation changed my life in college, and I've spent the last 50 years teaching people about the benefits of meditation, from celebrity clients to students in inner-city schools. And now I'm sharing a lot of what I know straight to your ears in my new podcast. Join me every Monday through Friday morning. All you need is a few minutes and an open mind. Listen and subscribe to Stay Calm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P.com. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.